This is episode 61 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. Today's show is all about friendship and motherhood, the beauty and the challenges of building and maintaining relationships with other women while navigating the demands of raising kids. For me, friendship has been an essential and life-giving part of my motherhood journey through the births of my seven children and transitions each of those kids have brought to our family. Today you'll hear from Lynn Patty and Robin Chapman, two members of our Kindred Mom team, and then our special guest, Melanie Dale, mother, author, and host of the Lighten Up podcast, will share insights about making friends from her book, Women Are Scary, The Totally Awkward Adventure of Finding Mom Friends. I hope you find her as delightful as I did. If you haven't been over to kindredmom.com, we are kicking off a new series this week called It Takes a Village. It's full of wonderful essays about the support and camaraderie we gain from those who surround us in the parenting season, and I hope you'll check it out. And lastly, I wanted to be sure to mention the resources our team has lovingly created with you in mind. Over on the Kindred Mom website, when you subscribe to our email list, you gain access to several awesome things, including a guide with 52 ideas to help you flourish in motherhood, an ebook of 60 recipes and kitchen tips from a variety of moms in our community, and there are some other goodies over there as well. I hope you'll check it out, and thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, we're back again, and I'm excited to jump into a conversation about friendship and motherhood as part of the Celebrating Motherhood series that we're doing on Kindred Mom for this fall season. Uh, Today, I have Robin Chapman and Lynn Patty with me to discuss this topic, and ladies, I could not be more excited to have you here. So good to be here. I'm glad to be here too. It's nice to talk to you ladies again. Yes, it's just so much fun when we come back around to podcast recording time because I love these conversations and they really make me think about things that are a part of my everyday life as a mom and yet we get to talk about them and think about them in maybe a less obvious, deeper way than what might be our usual conversation over the phone or you know in person. And so as we kick this off, I would love to just talk about kind of, I mean, if we're going to talk about friendship, that's an enormous topic, right? Like we could talk about all kinds of different things, but I really want to focus in on um, kind of more those one-on-one friendships that have been especially meaningful in our lives and what has made those relationships so important and so special in our lives. So I'd love for you to open up with maybe an example or um, some thoughts about what friendship has meant to you specifically in the early years of motherhood. Well, I have a lot of reasonably close friends, not not very many of them local. And I kindled a, a new friendship with a uh, gal in town a couple of years ago. And it has been, we were, well, actually, I, I have to give her credit. She was really intentional about making sure that every time before we left, we had something on the calendar. And with that regular and intentional time together, it just, the the friendship has bloomed into something that is so life-giving for both of us. We get our our gaggles together. She's got six and I've got four and we get us all together and the kids do whatever the kids do. And we talk theology and life for like four or five hours sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's 
it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful. We and we don't we don't waste any time. There's no there's mo- no small talk. And I'm an introvert. I hate small talk anyway, so it's perfect. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that what I hear you saying, Robin, is intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have to be really intentional about our friendships, and if that is something that we want as moms, then. You got to do it. In the early years of motherhood, for me, it was about friends who showed up, friends who, uh, just like you were saying, they would kind of pin me to the ground and say, let's get a date on the calendar. We're going to do this thing. And friends that honestly just really listened to maybe to the subtext that I had going on. Uh, in my conversations because I don't, I'm not good at asking for help. I'm not good at asking for what I actually need. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the friends who really showed up were those who could read that Mm -hmm. really easily. Yeah. Friendship is a really important thing to me because in all of the locations that we've lived as a married couple with kids, we haven't had family nearby. And so our friendship connections as a family have been a really important part of our support system just wherever we've lived. And for me personally, I've had really incredible close friendships that just, I mean, I feel like I am very blessed among women with friendships mm. that are are not catty or, you know, competitive yeah. or, I mean, I'm sure that those people come along, but they kind of just move right along because I don't play that way. <laughs> and right. um, I just, I think that friendship for me has been such a life-giving part of surviving the early years, which feel so ragged and so full of challenge and hardship that I didn't really expect before I became a mother. I had no childhood care experience. I came into motherhood as a new mom, as the first of my friends to have a baby. And I really Mm. did not know at all what I was doing. I didn't know that the crib that we had when my firstborn came into our family was a drop side crib. I did not know how to drop the side. (laughs) And there are so many months that I was like reaching her over the side of the crib. Like my arms are too short to get her to where I'm just struggling, right? I have to stand on a little stool to get her into the crib because of being a dork actually because <laughs> I didn't know I mean I know we don't use drop side cribs anymore but way back right. in the day like I mean there's just things I didn't know about right. all of the mom, the mom things and so friendships for me were a really safe place to learn a lot of those things and mm-hmm. not only like the practical how to care for a child stuff but also how to nourish and invest in my children's lives when I see another mom being patient and tender or use some brilliant disciplinary technique that does not require (laughs) a lot of hullabaloo. I'm like, wow, I'm taking notes on that. And I have found also that the friendships that I have cultivated in my early years of mothering have sustained me through many ups and downs. And so I, I love this topic and I love that we are mm-hmm. digging into this together because I think motherhood can be extremely lonely and, mm-hmm. you know, we will talk about what it looks like to have a village in the coming couple episodes and the series that we're going through for the month of September. But for me, it's less about a huge crowd of people ready to support mm-hmm. me. It's really about the individual people who take the time to 
connect with me and see where I'm at and really bear witness to what is going on in these quiet, hidden spaces of motherhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's different stages to motherhood friendship yeah. because mm-hmm. I, I know I we had a little bit of a bigger gap between babies three and Mm -hmm. four. And so there was a time when I wasn't pregnant. I wasn't breastfeeding. I didn't have a newborn. And it was, it was interesting because I noticed the friendships changing. I could, I could kind of be there a lot more Mm -hmm. for them if that was what was required, but also connect more intentionally by say going out Mm -hmm. for dinner Mm -hmm. with a friend or just meeting after the kids go to bed because the, littlest one was finally sleeping through the night. And I was like, you know, maybe I could like <gasps> stay up until what? 10 or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that that's just a, just a good observation as we start out talking, having this conversation is, you know, when you're under the water with newborn and toddler or two toddlers and a newborn, what does friendship look like? Of course, there's the the red thread friends, you know, the ones that's, that are sewn throughout our whole mm, um, yeah. story. Um, yeah. So, yeah. How, do, how does that look for you guys? Well, I just wanted to talk a little bit about what it really means to care about something or someone. And this is a little bit loaded for me because I've been going through some stuff with my kids this week that I will uh-huh. tell you in just a minute. But I want to ask you, what does it really mean to care about something? You cannot tease us like that and then not tell us. Yeah, I, I will tell you. All right. You're well. the host. I guess you get to do that, but you don't have to like it. That's all right. <laughs> I, I think caring for someone else is, is desiring their greatest good um, mm-hmm. and, and working towards that. Yeah. That's where it lands for me. Well, I don't know if I can be as succinct as that. I went immediately to the friendship thing. And I, I think that I really understood that I loved and cared for my peer friends when I loved yeah. and cared for their children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a long time where I felt like I had just a little ugly patch in my heart about other people's kids. And to be honest, if I'm looking back, it was probably because I was maxed out. Yeah. So why would I, you know, just, I can barely care for my own, let alone yours. But when I found myself crying with my friends, when they were going through something with their kids or really walking beside the kids, then I was like, you know, I really care for these people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Well, I didn't mean to like put you on the spot, but it's just been the main topic of conversation in our house the last couple of days. And part of the reason it's a little bit different context because we're talking about my kids Mm -hmm. and we're talking about my house. And some people know that my house is a bit of a disaster zone much of the time because there are so many people who live here Uh that are creative brained who don't necessarily think that things need to really be put in order or put away or that kind of stuff. And it has been driving me bananas Uh for a long time because I am not naturally tidy anyway. And then you add seven children to my home and it's just really, really hard where I feel like some other mom should be doing this job because I Mm. cannot do this Mm. by myself, you know? And so I have tried every single thing that I can think of with chore charts and incentives and, you know, this routine or that trick or I don't even know. I've been all around the circle trying to figure out a way. And it just occurred to me a couple days ago that the reason that nobody does 
anything just <laughs> because they don't care. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's where caring about it comes from. And so right. I decided we're going to do a care about it boot camp. I even told my husband, I'm like, just watch. I'm going to do a care about it boot camp. It's not going to be pick up your stuff. It's going to be care about this corner right now. How do you care mm. about it? Oh, so I've really been talking to them. I asked them, what does it mean to care about something? And of course I got all kinds of different answers, different ages, different thoughts. Um, but all of them kind of came back to that. Can you care about something if you're just thinking about it? No, <laughs> you have to actually go and pick up an item and put it where it belongs mm. and have an action connected to the intention and the, or the thought to do something. And I think that in relationships, in friendships, that caring means that we're doing something. And that could be mm. Just texting a note of encouragement to a friend because we're also underwater, or it could be showing up at their house in our yoga pants and our top knots, you know, um, to just do life together with them. But it does require some action, which is why I think some relationships fail to blossom because it's kind of like, well, this person is really neat and I'd love to spend time with them, but there's not a follow through, Mm -hmm. like you said, getting something on the calendar or, you know, letting our vulnerability show as we show up with the mess that we bring with us. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I just am really thinking a lot about what it means to care. And I think that there are things that we say that we care about. I w- I'm not really thinking about people at this moment, but things that we care about that don't actually materialize that way right. in our lives. You know, like I care about, you know, orphan children in Africa, but do I specifically do anything to actually care about them? Right. Does it ever actually I, make the top of the priority list? Yes. Which, you know, it's really hard for empathetic hearts, I think, mm-hmm. when we're talking about those kinds of causes that are not right next door or in our face. Because right. <laughs> um, some people are really caring about that and doing something about it. And we can't care about everything. We don't have the bandwidth or the energy or even the calling sometimes Mm -hmm. to care about certain things. But in the context of friendship, I think that friendships flourish when we take action, Mm -hmm. when we do Mm -hmm. something to invest in them. Um, I think Mm -hmm. it can be really gentle. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to stop the rest of our lives to focus in on this one person and give them all of our attention and all of our, Mm -hmm. um, you know, focus, but action. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Well, I'm definitely, I just want to say I'm taking notes. Like every time we do a podcast recording, I I take notes. (laughs) And so I'm like, this is so good. (laughs) I mean, not only the care about it bootcamp with the kids, I think that's fantastic. (laughs) Even the language of like, I need you to care about this corner right now. Okay. You know, like that's so brilliant. Um, but, uh, the fact that friendship is an action or I'm sorry, caring is an action. That's really, really powerful. Yeah. And I think, and I think it's also a good spot to maybe say, uh, reiterate what you said, which is you can't care about everything Mm -hmm. and that there's freedom in letting some things go Mm -hmm. so that you can care about what really is super important, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. We've talked about this on a podcast uh, a long time ago. I know, I think it was Sarah Allard that was sharing um, her, approach to kind of just thinking through who's on their home team. And Mm. this is more for her and her husband that they, every so often they'll kind of reassess who are the people who are kind of showing up in our lives. And they 
prioritize their home team friends, that those are mm-hmm. friends that ha- are investing oh, in them and they will reciprocate for those people day or night, no matter what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of a way to decide, like if you have an invitation to a birthday party and you have another thing on the same day at the same time with this other person, like tr- trying to figure out, well, where are we going to, where are we going to be? We can't yeah. be both places at one time. Yeah. Um, what's going to give. Yeah. And just being able to, it's not, to say that someone who's not on the home team isn't important because I know Sarah and she will invest and give Mm -hmm. to anyone that she can. But as a way of just being able to prioritize what is most important in the realm of friendship, I think that's been a really helpful thing. Well, let's talk a little bit about the challenges in friendship. I mean, maybe we've kind of hit it a little bit, but How does that show up for you? Um, Maybe how has friendship changed since you've become a mom? And uh, let's talk about that for a minute. I I feel like it's changed a lot. I am I am just just out of the the baby years Mm -hmm. for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I know that both of you guys are still kind of kind of in that space, and I have fewer kids than either of you do. But I think I think we might be done. But my youngest does just turned three mm-hmm. at the time of this recording. She turned she turned three a week ago, and it's so it was so hard in the years where you had to work every meetup around nap times and feedings, yeah, and the amount of time that it took just to leave the house and the guaranteed blowout that's going to happen yeah. five seconds before or, you or the entire <laughs> like, week that everybody is throwing up and you cannot see a right. single friend. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That too. Uh, every time my baby brother comes and visits, that happens. Aww. I don't even know. Yeah. But oh. yeah, it's just, it's, it's become so much simpler for me. I, I'm headed to my sister's tomorrow in the morning because I can, like she needs somebody yeah. to show up for her and I can, I can hang out for a couple of hours with her and her kids. Mm-hmm. And that, that wouldn't have happened, you know, two, three years ago. It was, it was too crazy. So it's changed and it's lovely. Yeah, I think that friendships can be a really stabilizing force in our lives, especially in Mm -hmm. the little years. But it is really challenging to have the time and the space to really be connected, stay connected. And I think before having kids, friendship was a little bit more about me (laughs) and what I wanted Mm -hmm. to do and what I found Mm -hmm. was fulfilling or fun to do with someone else. I think in motherhood, friendship has to become a lot more selfless because we are really at the mercy of what our kids need at any given time. And I might be in the middle of a really, really amazing conversation with somebody who I love and my toddler needs my attention. And, you know, it's, it's just something that, um, you know, we have to have our priorities in order and friendship isn't the top one even though we might mm-hmm. love someone with mm-hmm. all of our hearts uh, and want to be there for them, that we have to you know, balance that with what our responsibilities are, what our children need from mm-hmm. us. And that can make it challenging to both find friends, make friends. So I know that I have a couple other questions here I want to get to before we run out of time. Um, I know that there can be 
a lot of tricky stuff with other women, especially in motherhood, because it can be such a vulnerable place. Like, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but my motherhood years have been the smelliest, most disheveled years of my life. So um, as far as wanting to put you know, my best foot forward, I don't always feel like I'm able to do that. And yet I just think that cultivating deep friendships is... Mm-hmm. It's something that has happened almost more organically because of the vulnerability mm-hmm. required. Like there is no other way when you're at least a stay-at-home yeah. mom to um, really forge friendships. I mean, unless you're really superhuman and you're, you know, made up every day that you go out of mm-hmm. the house, which some people can accomplish that I cannot. Well, and I think, and I think motherhood also um, separates out the real treasures. Um, I don't want to say that like yeah. they're, they're people who aren't, but um, like the, the friendships that are just gold. The friendships that, that fit. That can, yeah. Where you can like sit there and have a conversation like surrounded by all the, all the crazy motherhood Tourette's that happens. Like, don't look that as yeah. you're having a conversation. The women that can just roll with that mm-hmm. and we can carry on a, a really solid heart level conversation around our respective chaos is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think also I want to speak to like, because there's some stuff I'm going through just personally where the more that I care for my own needs and my own self outside of friendship, but like just on a daily basis, it sounds kind of crazy, but like the more worthy I feel when I'm with another person Mm -hmm. that if I do just have the top knot yoga pants, smelly kind of situation happening. (laughs) Like I still am a really cool person and you know, like I have stuff to give and it's like a a self-confidence and it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was really hard for me when I had one, two and three Mm -hmm. babies to have that like deep rooted, grounded self-confidence and that, you know, take me as I am, take it or leave it, man, I was desperate for friends. And I would kind of like make some bad decisions sometimes in terms of stretching myself too far for them, because I just thought that was required. That's changed a lot Mm -hmm. for me now. And now I have more Mm -hmm. babies, and the other ones are older. But in my friendships, it's just I'm a little bit more like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, you know? I remember, Lynn, the only time that I've seen you in person, you had, uh, Jack was like three months old and uh-huh. was, like it was right around his nap time and you had to like run up and put him down. And it was just like, it was just the the simplest thing mm. to pick up. Like you weren't, mm. you just, you put off everything that you were talking about just now, the, the you know, you're still a cool person to be around. And um, all of, all of that, like, yeah, you were cool to be around and we could sit and chat and handle all of that. And it wasn't like, you didn't make it weird cause you had to go put him down or anything. And it was, it was lovely. That was a good day. Aw, thank you so much. That's very sweet. I just think there are so many ways that you can build trust with friends and Hmm. kind of invest in like good communication with someone who you're forging a relationship with. And so I want to talk about a couple of things in that regard, because I just think, I think that this can be made 
to seem like it's more complicated than it is. I heard a speaker share years ago in a talk, I don't even remember who, or I would try to credit them, but they were talking about how every time you interact with someone that you are either building or breaking trust yeah. with them mm. by yeah. your attentiveness and the way that you respond to them. So like if you're looking at them, if you're distracted, if you're like all these like small ways that we communicate with our body language and our mm-hmm, <laughs> our responses in the middle of them talking. And also like just when, you know, somebody has talked to us about something and later on down the line, we bring it up and say, oh, how is that going? That that shows, I mean, that builds trust mm-hmm. in these little small building blocks that over time really, I mean, unless you became fast friends, which I've had several of those, but over time, it just, you realize how rich a friendship this is when we do trust each other and we have these active building blocks that have made us friends and I also have been reading a really interesting book, just all the stuff I've been going through the last few months, which I haven't, I don't know if I really talked about on the podcast yet, but I am about almost four months postpartum right now with my number seven baby. And so it's been a very tumultuous ride, I will say. Um, but I am reading this book called The Body Keeps the Score oh, that by Bessel. Last mm-hmm. month. That's yeah. So it's by Bessel van der Kolk. And I just pulled this quote out of it because um, I just felt like it really applies to being connected in relationship. This one is in the context of um, really how the body responds to traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. So it's not really light reading, but it is really fascinating. (laughs) Um, But this says, being able to feel safe with other people is probably the single most important aspect of mental health. Safe connections Mm. are fundamental to meaningful and satisfying lives. Numerous studies of disaster response around the globe have shown that social support is the most powerful protection against becoming overwhelmed by stress and trauma. Mm -hmm. Social support is not the same as merely being in the presence of others. The critical issue is reciprocity, being truly heard and seen by the people around us, feeling that we are held in someone else's mind and heart. Mm. And Mm. I love that because that is exactly what has carried me through some very desperate seasons of struggle (laughs) are the friends who have really seen and heard me in that time and made space for wherever I am. And that's one thing that I strive to do in the friendships where I'm deeply invested because I think that friendship can make the difference between a really crummy day and a really fantastic one. And it doesn't mean we can get out of all the things that are hard because there's plenty that we still just have to go through. But um, just like Proverbs talks about a friend loving at all times, Mm -hmm. a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity that when we're going through hard things, friends are uh, a huge part of what bring us through that, um, that comfort and encourage us and for me, they're the ones who often give me ideas of, you know, problem solving mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm kind of trying to go through, especially parenting things, yeah. just thinking through and trying to figure out the steps to take next. And so I'm just curious if you guys have a response to that quote or those ideas regarding building trust. Yeah, I was actually, I I don't remember reading that quote specifically, but I um, and I wish I could find it. I should look for it and put it in show notes. If I, if I find it, I will. But I remember reading that loneliness is actually a bigger risk mm-hmm. factor like in in the elderly than yeah. like smoking mm-hmm. or obesity mm-hmm. or heart yeah. disease mm-hmm. or any of any of those things because the strength that 
connection brings to a person. Like, and and that's true. I mean, that was right. it was in the context of old age, but that's also true for new babies. You know, if they're not touched and held and you don't right. connect with them, bad things happen. And it's just mm-hmm. it just it hits me as really, really true. Um, and so much more important than I usually think of it. Well, and also for new moms who are struggling through the first weeks and months of figuring out this new role. I mean, I, I remember talking with a mom who was talking about her first year as a mom and how it was such a painful time for her. Cause mm. she's like, nobody came with casseroles and nobody, you know, checked in with me. And, and she really struggled through that year. And it seemed like from what she shared, the most painful part was that nobody was there Mm -hmm. for her. And it's really hard to, in the context of our very individualistic private society, like everybody values their privacy to a point. (laughs) I I mean, I think we don't really value our privacy online so much because we're all like, here, see where my kids go to school and see, no, just kidding. we're We're all really selfish with our time, I think. Yeah. Well, and I think just the way that our homes are built, the way that our cities and towns, like there's just, there's walls and mm-hmm. barriers to being connected in physical spaces with other people. And yet I think that we really have to find a way to bring the walls down or get mm-hmm. the walls out of the way and um, not assume that just because someone has just had a baby doesn't mean they don't want to hear from you. <laughs> you know, like it's... For me, I, in the past, I have wanted people to come over to bring a meal just so that they would come over. I didn't really want their food. Yeah, right. (laughs) I wanted them to come and say hello because I just wanted some interaction, you know, and I had several people think that was so weird. Like, I'll just drop it off on the porch and I'll run and I'll be like, no, come back. (laughs) But I just think to ask, you know, to, if you, if you know a new mom and, you know, just reach out and see, can I stop by and bring you anything? Or, you know, if you'd like some company, I think sometimes that can be just as meaningful as showing up with a whole meal or showing up with. Yeah. I definitely love, uh, giving gifts to moms who are about to have a baby or just had a baby. And, um, there's this rattle that you can get. You've all seen it. It's and it looks kind of like a phone and I'll, I oh, throw yeah. that in there and uh, I, I have little explanations for all the gifts, but that one is you call me at any time and here's my number. Aww. And, you know, mm. and because we all get rattled, ha ha ha, you know, <laughs> um, it all kind of works really well. But yeah. anyway, um, yeah. because I just think that mom might actually call me and I have had people reach out to me, uh, very vulnerable mm. spaces, um, reach out to me postpartum and, and talk to me a little bit. And so good. And to see, just to have our eyes open, to see the mom at Target, the mom at church, the mom online, mm, Yeah, you know, again, reading that subtext to the comment or to the post or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. so important. I agree. And I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation. I feel like it always feels like we're just scratching the surface and we could talk for hours really? more. Yeah. Um, but there is yeah. going to be um, some more on this topic as we slide into the It Takes a Village series that does definitely encompass friendship. And also there are going to be some wonderful essays up on the blog. So I hope that our listeners will go and check those out and join us on our Facebook group. That's a place where you can connect with all of us personally and ask questions or share from the show things that stood out to you that you learned or you liked or you didn't like. We'd love to 
continue the dialogue online with you. So thanks so much for listening. And ladies, thanks for being here. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, thank you. We're going through a series on celebrating motherhood, and today I have a special guest with me to talk about friendship and motherhood. Her name is Melanie Dale, and she's the author of the book Women Are Scary, The Totally Awkward Adventure of Finding Mom Friends, and she hosts the Lighten Up podcast. So, Melanie, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself, about your family, um, and maybe the stage of motherhood that you're in currently. Yeah, sure. I have been married to my college sweetheart for 19 years, mm-hmm. and we met in college, uh, like, gosh, two decades ago, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> and like, sneaks up on you. It does. And we have, th- yeah, we have three kids. Um, I always say three kids from three different continents because uh, we had our our first child. Our son is biological after a very long um, bout with infertility and Mm -hmm. it really took us about five years to have him. And then we adopted our youngest daughter from Ethiopia when she was almost two. And then we adopted our oldest daughter from Latvia when she was nine. So we, our kids came to us from all over the world and all from very different backgrounds and very different ages. And we messed with birth order and all of that. So our family, um, I love our family. It's, it's, uh, we're just all trying to figure out how to be together <laughs> and yeah. work this thing out. And so, um, we have two dogs that are currently sleeping in my office as we record this and hopefully they'll stay sleeping. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we live in the Atlanta area, so it's insanely hot right now here. Um, but yeah, we've been here for about 12 years. My, my husband and I are both Midwesterners, I would say. Um, but we've kind of worked our way down the country and now we're in Hotlanta. Oh, yeah. Well, I have not been to Atlanta, but I have a couple friends who are over there and they're like, it is so hot. <laughs> really and, uh, I will say you get used to it because when, you know, I grew up in Cleveland and moving down here, I, I when I first moved here, I was like, I mean, I'm not even going to need a winter coat. Like it doesn't even get cold here. And now I find myself being like, oh, it's a little chilly when it's like <laughs> 60 degrees. So yeah. I've lost my northern edge and, and this, the heat doesn't bother me as much as it used to. But when we moved down here, we just had our brand new baby. And um, I mean, that first summer was so hot. I was nursing him. We were living over my parents' garage while we looked for a house. And I thought I was going to die. Yeah. So it's... Oh, and my kids now... How old are they now? My my oldest is 14. My son is now 12. And my youngest is nine. And they are getting ready to go into high school, middle school, and fourth grade. So like, wow. like I'm a brand new high school parent. It's crazy to me. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we are enjoying some warmer temperatures here, but I have to say Seattle is pretty mild compared to most of the rest of the world. And I think we typically stay between around 35 degrees in the winter to I would say 75 is pretty safe for most summer days. So it's very chill here. (laughs) Seattle is dangerous for me because I am such a huge fan of coffee that Mm -hmm. when I visited Seattle for like four days, I, I thought I was going to explode because (laughs) I never liked to pass a coffee shop without stopping in and getting a nice 
dark roast, yep. black coffee. And, but you know, in Seattle, there's like a coffee shop every second. Yep. And I was like, well, <laughs> let me just try this one. Well, I should probably try this one too. And by the yeah. end of the day, I'm like, oh, my heart is going to explode. <laughs> yeah. Little too much caffeine. <laughs> so good. So awesome. Well, I want to talk about your book, Women Are Scary, um, The Totally Awkward Adventure of Finding Mom Friends, because we are talking about relationships and motherhood and specifically how it has changed from before we had children um, because mm. I think friendship comes a little bit easier, I think, in our adolescent and college years maybe when we have these shared experiences and spaces with people and not the same I don't know, division of our mental space as we're trying to care for kids and all the things that come with being a caretaker of children. And I loved the insights you shared in your book and found it super relatable for any moms who might be looking for a great book to read on this topic. Um, But I'd love for you to share your thoughts on friendship and motherhood. How did this topic become so important to you that you wrote a whole book about it? Yeah, well, so I moved down to this whole different area of the country um, right when I had a baby. I think Elliot was like two months old. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself in a new area of the country. I didn't know anybody. And, and I was trying to figure out motherhood on my own for the first time ever. And so I, I had to figure out how to make friends as a brand new mom. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was very different from making friends like in college or in my twenties and, and, you know, just going to work and making friends. All of a sudden I had this baby and I wasn't even sure how to leave the house with the baby, much less like, like put myself out out there. And, um, and so I, I set out to make friends in this new area and, and, um, connect with other women. And it was, um, I, I realized that making mom friends was a little bit like dating, mm-hmm. um, used to be. And so I, um, I felt like, you know, we round the bases as, as mom friends, um, not in the same way we round the bases as dating, of course. <laughs> but, but that's really where the book came from is I, it's a dating analogy of, I, I take women around the bases of mom relationships. And so, um, first base when, as I was getting to know other women, first base, I realized was kind of like you show up somewhere, not really looking to make friends, but you enroll your baby in a mommy and me music class, or you go to the library for story time, mm-hmm. or you go to swim lessons or whatever stage you are, you, you show up, your kid joins a soccer group, a soccer team. And then all of a sudden you're on the sideline with a bunch of parents and you're like, oh, I should probably talk to them. So, so first base is like the awkward small talk phase. And then if that goes well with someone, then second base is really like a little bit more intentional where you invite someone to do something, but on neutral territory. So you're like, Hey, let's go to the park or yeah. let's meet at a restaurant and, and the kids can play in the little play area and we'll drink coffee and talk. And so, so, second base, you want to get to know them a little bit more, but you're still on neutral territory. And then third base, it it like takes it up a notch when you invite her back to your place Mm -hmm. or she invites you to her place. And then you might see dirty laundry. You might see dirty dishes in the sink. If someone comes to my house, it's like, they're going to see real life. They're going to see like the pile of jammies that I peeled off my kid that are just still sitting there on the floor or like milk and bowls starting to congeal in (laughs) in the kitchen sink because I haven't gotten around to it yet. You know, so it's real life. It's, it's inviting someone into your home. Your kids have to figure out how to share their toys, which is a whole new level of like awkwardness and 
And so then if you, if you get through that stage of being more vulnerable and open with each other and building trust, then you make it to fourth base, the, the home run. And that's when you don't even need the kids anymore. You ditch the kids and you go out for mom's night out or you, you meet during the day while they're at preschool or, or um, wherever they are. And, and so the, the fourth base or home run is really, um, you know, not many friendships maybe make it to that level, but the ones that do, or those are your lifers. Those are the people that you you're with that, that last, that they're the people you can depend on when things get hard. Mm -hmm. So I found that my relationships kind of went around these stages. Occasionally you skip a stage or or things are a little different, but for the most part, I felt like they went around those bases. And so that's what women are scary is about. It's about kind of walking you through, how do you get around those bases? How do you develop these relationships? And then because we're talking about dating, there's a, a few chapters at the end, even about breaking mm-hmm. up, because I found that that happens too. And sometimes those breakups with friends can feel just as horrible, if not worse than breaking up with like a partner, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, Oh, this is horrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the book that's, and those are just some insights that I discovered as I was going through my own finding friends when I moved yeah. here. Yeah. Well, and I, I pulled out a quote from the early part of the book where you said, first base is where we lift our eyes off our own mess long enough to smile at the mama across from us. And I mm. love that because that's really a lot of what we try to do here at Kindred Mom is just create a safe space for women to see another mom or hear another mom's story or listen to another mom share her experiences. Um, And it's not necessarily making the face-to-face connections like the friendships that you're describing in your book, but just knowing that women need to feel connected to others and be able to learn from just sharing our lives and our stories together. uh, Something we really care about here. And I am curious uh, because I had a couple questions um, that our Kindred Mom team gals had put together in preparation for um, interviewing you. And one of them asked, it seems like making friends depends on small talk, especially when you talk about first base. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of the worst is what she said. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have anything to say to the awkward introvert moms who hate small talk, but want to make a new friend? Yes. Whenever people ask me, you know, how do we even do that? I say, if you don't know what to say, say something encouraging, Mm -hmm. because like you said, that, that moment of, of lifting our eyes and connecting with someone else. I think we need that. And so many of us as moms aren't getting a lot of encouragement. Mm -hmm. We are pouring out for our families. You know, we're giving for our kids. If we have partners, we're giving for them. You know, we're just doing things for everybody, but we're not getting a lot of encouragement Mm -hmm. back. And so I think as moms, that's where we can really show up for each other. So if you aren't really great at small talk and you're not sure what to say to someone else, sometimes just an encouraging comment is the the foot Mm -hmm. in the door for a decent conversation. Um, you know, if you're watching each other's kids on the soccer field or in swim lessons or whatever it is, you could say something encouraging about their kid. You could, I mean, it could be so simple, but, but I think just a positive comment, no one's going to be like, how dare you say a positive comment to me? (laughs) Um, so that to me is, is an easy way to strike up a conversation. And sometimes it doesn't go beyond that, but sometimes if she wants to talk also, it can develop into something and you can, you can get a conversation going just by being positive off yeah, the get-go. Yeah, no, I love that. And encouragement goes a long way. I have found that then when someone 
offers me a compliment or says something encouraging, it is often what sticks in my mind for the rest of the day. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like you said, Mm -hmm. we don't always get that kind of feedback or attention from others saying you're doing a great job. And the friends in my life who make a point to be especially positive and complimentary or just even taking interest in me at all, I think, um, are the friends that end up developing into something beyond a hello and goodbye situation. Yes. Yeah. A long time ago, I I made kind of a pact with myself that if I had a positive thought about another woman that I Mm -hmm. had to tell her, that I didn't just think these positive things in my head because we need more positivity in the world. So um, I, I really try, if I'm thinking something great about someone, I try to find an opportunity to share that with them because I think, yeah, that's going to make her day better. And that's going to, um, just add more positivity to the world, which we need. No, I think that's a great policy. And I think it also just going into a social situation with that intention makes it a little bit easier to do it because I, Mm -hmm. I think that I am on the more introverted side and I generally tend to just be quiet if I'm in a space with Mm -hmm. someone I don't know until they break the ice, which I would love to get over that hurdle because (laughs) um, I want to encourage them. I want to make the connection, um, but it's definitely not as easy for me as it is for some. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that there can be a lot of insecurity in trying to connect with a new crowd or a new person. And I also pulled a quote from your book. Um, I'm going to read and then we can talk about it a little bit more. And uh, it says, we share so many of the same pressures, insecurities, and frustrations in doing just that. Sharing them somehow diffuses the power these worries have over us. There's fellowship and frustration. When one mom is upset about her button-pushing toddler, I know that frazzled feeling. And it's such a relief when we find out we're not alone. So when you say there is fellowship and frustration, I really love how that speaks to the camaraderie between moms and their shared or similar experiences through the challenges of motherhood. And I would love to know why you think so many women feel alone, even though we're really, a lot of us are journeying in the same season, in the same direction, just trying to raise these kids with all the love we've got. Mm. I think it's easy to feel isolated um, in our lives, especially if we're not Mm -hmm. being intentional to get out there and interact with other moms. I know I can drive, I live in the suburbs. I can drive my minivan around my suburb all day, just schlepping children where they need to go and then pull into my garage and shut the door and never talk to my neighbors Mm -hmm. and never see anyone. And I can start to feel like my problems are unique to me and no one else is having these struggles and Mm -hmm. I am all alone (laughs) and no one understands. And um, I think that's something that we can tell tell ourselves. And especially because we want to be protective of our children. We don't want to just like broadcast their problems right. to everyone, right? So then, then you start to really feel like we're the only ones mm-hmm. having these problems and no one else can possibly understand. Um, and so I do think there's something powerful when we're able to build that trust level with another mom and be able to talk about the real stuff. And so that's why I do think that there are phases your relationship goes in where you're not just blasting all of your issues to the brand new person you just met. You're building a little bit of trust through small talk, through hanging out in a neutral area and and playing and just getting to know each other. But once you make it um, into the relationship where you feel you've established some trust, then it's just so powerful to be able to to share, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm going through. I feel like I'm alone. And then to have somebody be like, oh my gosh, me too. Um, We're struggling with that too. Or, or, 
you know, we've been through this particular thing because all of us are struggling with something. And um, I, I know for me, you know, my kids are older now. I wrote this book when they were younger and now they're older. And this has mm-hmm. still been true. You know, now I'm getting with my friends and I'm being like, okay, my teenager is doing this or my teenager is is feeling this way. Is this normal? Mm-hmm. Are you dealing with that too? You know, and, and we're still just connecting and being like, okay. And I always leave those conversations going, I'm not alone. Like this, my yeah. child is not a freak of nature. I am not a freak of nature. Like we, everyone is dealing with things and we will get through this together. And so there is just so much power in, in being able to be a truth teller and be honest within a, a circle of yes. trust. No, that's so good. And I want to also talk about, um, you mentioned comparison towards the middle of the book and just how much of a mm. struggle that can be because sometimes, you know, you have a friend and their kids kids are angels while your kid is bouncing off the walls and you're like, ah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and also there are times where you meet somebody who has a lot to say that maybe doesn't totally drive with the way you see things. And uh, I really loved your phrase. Wow, that's so awesome. (laughs) I would love for you to talk about that a little bit. Yes, that's uh, such an important trust building technique that I do. Um, As you get to know another mom, you know, motherhood can be very divisive in the fact that we all do it differently. We all are parenting very unique yeah. people in our in our homes, and we alone know what they need and how they are. And so you can get very opinionated yeah. people in motherhood. I'm very opinionated about how I'm doing things. Right. Like I'm sure you have opinions about what you're doing. These and and that can di- that can divide us. That can separate us. Um, I think the the mommy wars are it's ridiculous. Like we're all on the same team yeah. here. Um, but, but when I'm approaching another mom and we're getting to know each other, eventually an opinion is going to come mm-hmm. up and she's going to say something where in my head, I'm like, Oh, I don't agree with yeah. that. You yeah. know, and or I'm sure because I'm shooting my m- mouth off, I'm saying something that someone else is like, well, she's an <laughs> idiot. And so, um, that's going to happen. That's just the the nature of building relationships. And, and in our ever increasing polarized world, that's going to continue to happen. And so instead of immediately shutting the other person down, I say, wow, that's mm-hmm. so awesome. Tell me more about how you, you know, came to that decision or how you arrived at that way of doing things, you know? And so while that's so awesome, it's not about being in agreement with everything everyone says. We're not going to agree on everything, but it's about it's about saying I I want to be a learner of you. I want to be a good listener um, and understand where you're coming from, and that builds trust in a relationship. Uh, and for some of us who are super sarcastic people, we have to really practice saying, "Wow, that's so awesome!" Without sarcasm, <laughs> "Wow, that's so awesome." <laughs> you know, so, but when we can be sincere, and and someone comes at us with something where we're like, "Oh, I don't do that at all," and I disagree with that, instead of shutting that down with our much better researched opinion yeah. on whatever, just just give her an opportunity yeah. to share how she arrived yeah, at that. For sure. And and you may at the end of that you may be like, "No, she's not for me. I can't do this." Or you might be like, "You know what? I do it differently, but I think I think this can work and it's okay yeah. to be different. Yeah, I love that. And I was going to ask you about listening just because um, I don't know if now that you've been through several stages of motherhood, if you have tips for moms who are wrangling kids <laughs> who are little and it's hard to even have a conversation if you're with kids and a mom in the same space. Um, do you have tips about how they can listen well in that kind of environment? Oh my gosh, that is such a good <laughs> question. I When I first 
had a baby and I went on a play date. So I still, I had a baby who wasn't talking yet. And I went on a play date with a friend who was just a little bit further ahead and she had children who actually talked. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're never going to get through a conversation because it just constant interruptions. She was constantly up. My baby was like just sleeping in the car carrier still. Like (laughs) we were still at that phase where my, my friend, my friend says, uh, they're like a plant, you know, you just, you water them and they, you know, that, so that early stage, it's like, oh, this is, I can do this. This is easy. But then once they start talking and moving, you're like, oh, I I will never get through a conversation. It's impossible. So I guess my encouragement in this stage is that it doesn't last forever and just keep trying and, and, acknowledge with your friend, like we may not make it through the end of a whole conversation about a particular topic and, and we're just going to hop around and that's okay. And the point is togetherness, not that we're going to solve all the world's problems in this conversation. Um, and, and just give each other grace as you're hopping up with the kids and everything. And, and it's not forever. Mm -hmm. Now, as your kids do get older, I have a child who wants to interrupt me constantly all day long. And so as, as she has gotten older, if I'm talking with a friend, I hold my finger up, like I'm still talking to this adult and I'm prioritizing this adult's conversation because I haven't seen her in a week and I see you every second of the day, <laughs> honey. So just, so I do think as your kids get older, um, it is important to teach them like, Hey, mommy's listening to this friend and we want to value our friendships and we want to make sure they feel heard. And so we're not going to be rude to this friend. We're going to, and, and so that's a learning process. My kids still interrupt all the time, but I think that, that as they grow up, we do teach them. I think that's an important thing that we want to teach them for their own relationships. Hey, we want to value conversations and, and not let people interrupt all the time, whether that's you're picking up your phone constantly as an interruption or we're, we're letting kids interrupt all the time. So, so I think it's both know that you will be interrupted, know that this will be chaotic and that's okay. And just have grace in the stage of life you're in and it's not forever, but then also teach your kids Hey, just hold on. Let her finish her thought before I find out what you need. <laughs> you know, unless someone's or bleeding or something's on fire. That again. It may go right out of her. Head. <laughs> this is so precious. We can't interrupt yeah. it. it. It might go away. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, it it is. It's a it's a short time, and I do think that's why those fourth base dates are important, especially at that age, because you don't have a lot of alone time. And so, if you can get a babysitter, or you can take turns um, going to her house, or she comes to your house, where you know after the kids are in bed, or you can, you know, if you have partners, there they can watch the kids for a night, and you two go out for dinner. Um, I think that. It is so awesome, even if it's just once a month or once every other month or just whenever you can to get out and have an hour or two where you know you won't be interrupted. And those conversations are great, too, because I think you don't have to only talk about parenting. You can talk about who you are as a woman and what you're learning and um, what your dreams and goals are. I think that those conversations, when you're not having to be interrupted all the time, can be really exciting. Well, and I was going to just mention that uh, years ago, I had heard this description of building trust with someone being something that you're actively building or breaking trust with them, really based on your level of attention. And when you're in the mom stage of little ones, it's really hard to give someone your full attention because it's, you know, you just got to manage the chaos. And I do think that just returning and just trying to remember where you left off 
you know, of previous thought mm-hmm. or um, bringing it up at a different time even can be a really meaningful way to say, I was really listening and I, I heard you and I wanted to know more about that. Um, yeah. And I was also going to say, because I have seven children and this is my entire life right now, containment <laughs> is sanity. <laughs> and I feel like I yes. can have a great conversation with a friend if we're in a backyard that's fenced and doesn't have hazards beyond, you know, got to make sure they don't fall off a place structure and that kind of stuff. But uh-huh. um, I really look for spaces to meet with friends that are not going to stress me out because <laughs> there are, that's there are so some true. parks that are off limits just because that's going to yep. be a disaster. <laughs> so I totally agree with you. There's a park in our town that's right next to a lake. And I'm like, I, I can't have a conversation with you there if I'm thinking my kid is going to fling themselves into the lake at any yes. moment. Like, yeah, you're totally right. I love that containment. Containment yeah. is sanity. <laughs> It's perfect. Awesome. Well, I one of the things I loved about your book is that you shared several times in several different ways just about the things that you're passionate about. And um, because we had already talked about comparison, which is a value we've discussed as a community before, we had a whole series on it back in November. And um, I wanted to share this quote of yours and then give you a chance to talk about your passions that you're fired up about and the causes that you um, invest yourself in, even in your motherhood years. And so... This quote is, when we catch ourselves sliding into the clutches of comparison or feel judgment creeping up the back of our throats, I want us to remember who the enemy is. It isn't the mom over there who looks like she has it all together and seems confident in her choices. It isn't her. The enemy is the one who is prowling around the world, stealing light from from the eyes of children. It's empty bellies and empty souls, and it's poverty-ripping babies away from their mamas. And... This really touched my heart. Um, it breaks my heart that um, that's mm-hmm. the reality around the world is just so many children are suffering and so many mamas are struggling to just f- figure out the basic stuff for their kids, their safety, their food, uh, while we're over here like, well, I don't like how she does this part of her parenting or, you know, kind of right. like these more yep. superficial criticisms of people. And mm-hmm. um, I know I just love that you kind of highlighted that there are some things that are worthy of our attention, like these causes that uh, we have influence in these ways if we want to, and we don't have to spend our energy on superficial, unnecessary division between moms who are trying to do their best. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what you get fired up about in these topics. Hmm. I think the neat thing about when we take the time to develop healthy relationships with women in our lives, in our, in our nearby Mm -hmm. lives, in our day daily lives, then together we can start to focus our energy on other moms who are not in the position of privilege we're in, who are struggling. And so in my own relationships over the years, I've, I've found intense joy and purpose in partnering with the moms in my own life to do really cool things for other moms around the world. And so um, one organization that I got involved with back when Elliot was just uh, just little, 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 um, and and got to um, do quite a lot with is Children's Hope Chest. And so I partnered with several other moms and families in my life, and we helped get some orphaned and vulnerable kids sponsored Mm -hmm. through that and start to to develop... fundraisers and development projects that would support the moms and caregivers in their lives um, doing things um, like 
like getting them um, clean water and getting them um, set up with income generating projects where they can start to develop um, a livelihood on their own, where we can help make sure that they're getting to school and getting the food that they need and getting the uniforms they need for school. And so uh, the, just the moms in my own community, we started partnering together to um, to get moms and kids around the world things they needed. And so we specifically partnered with a village in northern Uganda um, to see about 300 orphan and vulnerable children um, get sponsorships that would help keep them in school. And it's really cool because we've done that long enough now that we've started to see a lot of these kids who were little when we yeah. started. Now they're graduating and they're moving on to secondary school. They're moving on to um, actually learning how to make a living for themselves and, 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 um, re-energizing their village. And so that's been really cool to be a part of. And then locally, um, several of, of our friends have, we will sometimes even take our kids and go help out. We have a, a clothes closet that supports foster kids and foster families mm -hmm. in our County. And so we'll go there. We'll take our kids now as they're getting older and we'll sort clothes together. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll do, um, donation drives to get hygiene kits made together. You know, so when a kid goes into foster care and they need just the basics. We don't even think about it. Like, oh my gosh, a kid basically has to pack a garbage bag in yeah. 10 minutes when mm -hmm. they get pulled out of a home and put in foster care. And they might need deodorant. They might need shampoo yeah. conditioner. And, you know, and so it's been really neat to get involved locally as well and actually supporting the families right here in our county. And, and that's something that I've been able to do with my friends where we'll, we'll all meet there with our kids and organize shoes for a day yeah. or, um, you know, oh, it's spring break. Let's pile our teenagers in a van and go take them over and um, help organize all the toys for the little kids in foster care who want to be able to come and pick out a cool toy. Um, so I just think when we get our own relationships right, when when we are having healthy relationships in our own lives and feeling supported and encouraged as moms, then that gives us the energy mm -hmm. to get out there and support other moms who might have right. needs. You know, we all know what it is to have need. We all know what it is to be struggling. And so when we are in a healthy place, we can help other people who are struggling, maybe in a way we've never struggled before. So I just love that. I think mother motherhood is such an amazing network. And um, I always want to make sure that I'm I'm um, in a place where I can serve and help other families, you know, whether it's locally or around the world. So that's something I'm kind of passionate yeah. about. And now that as my as my kids get older, you know, when they were little, definitely was um, always doing things with them and talking with them. But now the older they get, the more they're able to kind of get on board with this as well and serving others and serving other kids in well, our and community. And I love how yeah. practical all those things are. And they're things that you you don't have to be the person who masterminds a brand new nonprofit or something like no. you can just show up and right. do the things that you can do in whatever season of motherhood you might be in. And that's what I loved most about it. That is yeah. so good. Yeah. Like I used to think, oh, I've got to start my own thing. And I'm like, no, <laughs> people are doing such great work and they're way more yes. gifted at it than me. So like, okay, why don't I just organize a bunch of my friends to meet at the local food bank? We'll put hairnets on together and we can teach our kids how to scoop food and bag it up. And let's, we'll just do that for a day. And we don't have to mastermind it. Like you said, that's so, so awesome. good. Well, we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes, but uh, we, we talked about women are scary and I know you have some other books. So I'd love to give you an opportunity to share a little bit about your other books, um, your podcast and where the moms who listen to this podcast can find you online. 
Yay. Yeah. Thank you. Women are scary was my first. So it's like my, my firstborn yeah. book baby. I love it so much. Um, and, and then my second book is called it's not fair learning to love the life you didn't choose. And that one is really about when you think your life is going to go one way and you end up in a different mm-hmm. place than you thought. And so, and, and how do you deal with that? And how do we learn to love our lives even in the middle of something? Maybe we didn't choose, maybe we didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's that book. And then I wrote a book specifically for couples going through infertility called in freak infertility, mm-hmm. because that's such a huge part of my story. Yeah. Um, and I love that because I actually got my husband to write a little blurb in each chapter for the husbands yeah. or f- yeah, for the men going through infertility. Um, and so that's a, that's a book that I feel like he and I got to work on together. I'm really proud of it. I illustrated it. So it's like got illustrations of sperm rocket ships <laughs> and whimsical ovaries. Yeah. And so if, if you're going through that, it sucks. And I have a book for you. It's basically like if I could sit down with you and share about my own story and what helped, uh, this is what I would tell you. I, I feel like um, a lot of books want to help you not be infertile, like, which is great. Like, Hey, we're going to solve it. We're going to make you fertile. But this book is really, how do you survive it with your relationships intact, your emotions, Mm -hmm. your identity intact. It's kind of, kind of a holistic approach of like, how do I get through this and still see myself and know myself on the other side? Um, and so that's, that's my third book. And then my fourth book comes out next summer and it's a parenting book from Simon and Schuster that I'm so excited about. So if you're interested in hearing more about that over the next year and how to get that or any, any of those, my website is unexpected.org. Uh, my podcast is lighten up with Melanie Dale and you can find me on all the social medias at unexpected Mel. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing today and, uh, we're excited and we'll be cheering on your book as it comes out next year. Thank you. Thank you.